Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. This is a bit of a surprise, spontaneous. I'm not sure what the best way to phrase this as episode is, but I wanted to get this out really quickly for you. As you know, I do these episodes pretty much every day. Uh, I try to keep these things uh, pretty spaced out for you so that you can uh, have an expected schedule, I think, is important for for your Browns content. I've tried to really step up my game here. But this interview today is is unique because there's so much going on. We're in the middle of I'm I'm recording this myself, and now just a little afternoon. This intro, uh, there's there's uh in the middle of cuts. We're in the middle of cuts, and things change, and, and there's going to be a ton of content. We're gonna have a Twitch show tonight. We're gonna have a, uh, there's so much to talk about with what the decisions the Browns make by four o'clock today. Uh, but also because the show that we're gonna talk about here, Brownstown with Andre Knott, is releasing today, and I don't want to wait multiple days to get this podcast put out and talk about it because I think the the the, the goal is to have you listening to it right away, and I think it's it's a good episode, a good interview. It's a good interview with him where he's going to share all the inside information about what to expect and and what it's like for him recording these episodes and the guests that he brought on. So I'm just going to throw this podcast out right now, and you can listen to it whenever you want to. I'll be back again with more stuff on cuts and and the 53-man initially, and potential waiver wire guys that they could get. I'll be back with that. I'll put up my offensive review podcast tomorrow where I go through, just like I did this morning's podcast, the defensive review. I posted that, uh, you know, the comprehensive defense review. I'll do that for offense tomorrow, so this doesn't interrupt anything. But this is sort of a bonus uh, bonus episode with Andre Knott, who, man, this this what they've done with Blue Wire, this venture they've gone on uh, to tell stories of the last 20 years and all of the craziness um, is so good. That's so well done. And I just really want to make sure to push it because it was Kevin's thing, Andre's thing. And those guys are great guys and they tell great stories. And it's fascinating to hear from the people actually involved. It's a unique perspective that we have not gotten before. So I wanted to put this out real quick. So, uh, about 30 minute, uh, plus interview here with Andre with just a ton of little nuggets about the pod and little pieces of information about things he either couldn't put, could not put in the pod, or just wanted to share. So it's really good. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to that now. All right, I'm pumped up. You guys should be the seasons around the corner, and in, in Blue Wire, who you guys know I love, have been a supporter of me for years now. When they told me they were striking up Andre Knott to have a podcast, you know, going through the oral history of the Brown struggles for decades and decades, I <laughs> thought it was a match made in heaven, man. And I think it's going to be a fantastic show. I'm lucky enough to have Andre join me for this show. How are you, sir? I'm good, brother. Thank you for uh, the kind words. Uh, Blue Wire has been really, uh, really great at bringing this all together at the right time, right place. Uh, I, you know, I love the game, first of all. And I know there are going to be people out there that are like, why are you guys want to go over the last 20 years when we got all this great stuff ahead of us? Quality question. <laughs> <laughs> But but I just I have to say um, I've been lucky enough to be pretty close to the team, you know, back over a decade ago. And for me, just like in traveling around and I'm sure I mean, anyone that's a fan of any team, every team has a story. But I just feel like the Cleveland Brown story is so different and unique compared to any other teams because of the team leaving, because 
the team that left is is still a rival and and still has so many tentacles that that are us. <laughs> like you know, there's yeah. still so much Cleveland and Baltimore, and um, I just feel like this is just a different situation. And I think from traveling, Jake, with with the Indians and just traveling overall the last few years, um, when I've been either you know in the Dominican Republic or Jamaica or or Florida, all pretty much the same, or like <laughs> or anywhere or anywhere in America, um, and you have a you know you got an orange and brown hat on or a shirt, and people are kind of like they give you that weird look, and it's like I've always wanted to break down. Well, we're like this because our t- you know like there's just so many tentacles to it, you know? And, and I just think this was a, this was a fun labor of love to get into to say the least. Yeah. I would say for me, you know, I obviously grew up a Browns fan, not in Cleveland, in Columbus, the, the Columbus area, just North of it. And I was unaware as I got to start covering the team in 17, like just how far the reach goes, you know, because I grew, I grew up in a generation that has only seen the Browns lose. I mean, 19, I'm five years old, 94 that, that, that I didn't, I didn't see right. good Browns football. I never did. I, I've seen a couple flashes. We've all seen a couple flashes in the last 20 years. But, you know, me being unaware that I, I think I'm an outlier. I'm like, I'm following this team. I probably shouldn't. I've been way too loyal. You know, I go, I go to college southeast Ohio where it's all Pittsburgh fans. And I'm like, man, it must be really nice. And I just I just think, <laughs> like, there's this generation of folks who don't maybe know the stories as well as they should. And especially as they become better and better. Uh, there's, there's, there's elements to these stories that you're going to tell that are, that are things that like guys, my age in the late twenties, early thirties, they don't, they don't know. And there's, and there's merit to understanding them to see how far they've come. They've put themselves in a hole, but to see how far they've come. So yeah, we're all excited about where they're going right now, but these stories that I don't think have been told in a way that they need to be told are, are so perfect to look back on and get get you excited for what's coming too. So on to tell everybody, just give the synopsis, man. Like when you talked to Kevin at Blue Wire, what was the goal? Uh, <laughs> did, you know, when you recorded these things, what was it like? Is there anything that surprised you? I'm, I'm pumped to hear this oh, side yeah. of things, man. Um, let me let me start with this because you just hit on something that's big. Um, we all have these generational uh, differences in who we are as fans. I'm 43. So I can remember the drive. Like I was like, you know, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can remember the fumble. I can remember. Um, I remember the three years straight. I remember Bernie, Bernie. I remember all that stuff. But I was a kid, man. And, and like, and I was going off feeding off the emotion of my family and my, and my friends, which was awesome because my, you know, I have a family that, that loves the game and I have family, family members that are coaches and things of that nature. Um, and then, you know, so like just to go through every generation, you know, the team comes back in 99. And if you're 35 or younger, you don't know anything but losing and your friends wearing Troy Palomalo jerseys to school, <laughs> right? You know, like, so and, and like, and it's like the weirdest thing that happened, Jake, is that, you know, we used to have, and not that we don't, because we still have the most loyal fan base ever. It, it, it is. But it, it's gotten weird because, you know, kids in Parma are okay. And I'm not calling out Parma. Kids in Parma, kids in you know Euclid, are okay with wearing Steeler jerseys or Ravens jerseys because they just don't have the same, they don't have the same feel or that we did, or that certain kids did. Like you know, I think I said this to someone else. You know, our grandparents, you know, they had autogram uh, Jim Brown. You know, some of the best football of all time, the true dynasty of the NFL before the Super Bowl. Um, and you had some up and down times. You know, after that, when a guy named Modell bought the team, and we kind of touch on that. Um, and then you get into the, you know, 80 and you get red, right, 88. And, you know, I can go through all of those plays and, and you had the heartbreak. But then, and I know this from doing sideline for the Browns for, for six seasons. Um, 
and I think that's where this started from. And this and that takes me in our talks with Kevin. Um, I remember going on the road and going on road trips and, and, and like the Browns backers clubs over everywhere. Um, I know there's a lot of people in these generation that see me and they just think of Indians, but you know, I was a Brown sideline reporter for six, seven years. I, you know, I did the pregame post game stuff for, for two, three years. Um, I went, you know, I'm, most people saw me just, that's what Terry Francona until about a year ago called me the football guy. <laughs> um, it's funny cause now people call me the baseball guy and it's like, no, I, I've been around football longer than I've been around. I've been around both of them a long time. Um, so I just kind of knew the, the, like I would meet people in Oakland and, and, and people in Dallas and they would tell their stories of why they were Browns fans and how their grandpa or how their grandma, you know, was, were huge Browns fans for whatever reason. Um, so Kevin Jones, when he left Washington, he came to Cleveland and he was the writer for Browns.com for like two seasons. Um, and when he was here, we, just, we, cause I was, as he was coming in the door, I was coming, kind of going out the door, <laughs> but we kind of do some of the same people and kind of talked. He replaced Zach Jackson, who's one of my best friends, and we do the A to Z podcast together. So <clears throat> as he kind of got to know the town a little bit, we we would text and kind of stay in touch with, with each other. And then when he left Cleveland, um, Kevin and I were kind of in touch, and I kind of I helped him a little bit with his radio stuff uh, and kind of connected him to different people in San Francisco. And, and we just – you know how th- this business is. We just stayed in – we stayed in touch more or less kind of as friends, but just the blue wire thing was always kind of in his back pocket or in his mind of something he wanted to do. Um, but we just, we, we didn't know how to connect it. And after having a bunch of conversations about all these wild ideas and, and, and I honestly, Jake, I, I, and I mean this, and I'm not saying this, um, I didn't jump on the bandwagon at first because A to Z has just always just been kind of like Zach and I just, BSing around doing mm-hmm. our own thing mm-hmm. and we didn't want to come to him and we didn't want to come to Kevin and, 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 you know, be like, Hey, make us important. No, we were like, do your thing, man. We're proud of you. But during the pandemic, I'll be honest, I got kind of, uh, <laughs> it was the first time in like, it was the first time in my adult life that I wasn't busy and all over the place. And it kind of freaked me out to be <laughs> honest. And it was kind of like put me in a, it did. It put me like in a corner of like, Oh my God, you know, what am I, you know, the pandemic, like put it like, what am I going to do? Or, and not that it like in a bad way, but just, I have to fulfill all the things in my mind. And these stories, um, that we have, like, there's like everybody around here is like, Oh, George Kokinas, you gotta give us a George Kokinas story. Well, there's so much more to the George Kokinas stories or any story that you want about the Browns that I think has been difficult for a lot of fans to take in. And, And I see these Twitter fights about, you know, how much Baker should be paid or this or that. And to me, and, and look, I know I, I'm not going to be able to solve everyone's problems, but I think if we all had a better understanding of why we're so crazy, we'll, we'll accept our crazy a little bit better, if that makes sense. We're crazy because we've went through some crazy-ass stuff that has not happened to any <laughs> other team. Like, your owner took off and left and went to Baltimore, and the guy that became the owner three years later probably should have bought the team and probably should have had the team before the other team moved. He was sitting next to Modell I'll, and I'm like, and, and, and that, and I'll admit that part is hard for me because, um, I got to know the learner family pretty well. And the learner, Al learner was one of the, the biggest, best gentlemen I have, I've ever met in my life. Um, but his business moves and business deals to make the Browns, um, his are a little shady. And that shadiness to me, and it goes back to 99, 
um, plays a big issue into why it's taken 20 years, 20 plus years for us to celebrate the way we celebrated last year. And that was the other thing, Jake, like after 20 years of just complete nonsense, complete punching your head into the wall. We finally have this great season. It is a pandemic and you can't even go to the, you can't even go to the, the, you know, the stadium with your friends and you can't even go over your friend's houses and watch. So to me, this is the best way to kind of cleanse ourselves and truly enjoy the Browns going forward. It's a great point. It's a great point. All that, all that suffering you do, and then you can't really enjoy it the way you want to enjoy right. it. And it, it does. Like too. I'm tweeting you at like 12:30 at night after they beat the Steelers because I'm like, I remember that play from earlier in the year. Like that was a conversation having with like my best friends. <laughs> I know, man. It's, it's well, you 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 laid it out perfectly. We'll cover that. Like uh, especially the lost generation of Browns fans doesn't get talked about enough, and I think. I think, too, the Browns backer stuff has always been a thing that I've been amazed by, how far the reach goes. You talked about that at the beginning. And, and people of my age, this weird, like, little hiccup generation, they don't they don't understand how global the Browns fan base was and, and hung on to. People who fought, you know, people who fought, and like our website, the OBR, Barry McBride, who fought tooth and nail to get this this franchise to stay. Right, who made right. made it their life's mission to cover it the right way and and be a part of putting pressure on people to keep it in Cleveland. Like there's there are guys who 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 and, and great and, and and great women who dedicated themselves to keeping the team here, uh, keeping the name here, bringing it back, and then putting pressure on the people that were screwing it up. And yeah. uh, I, I would imagine, you know, as we sort of preface here, what what exactly Browns fans can expect in your episodes. That's a large part of what you talk about. I mean, there's the twenty post twenty ten stuff. These could be like three different seasons. I'm sure you know. There's yes. enough content yeah. here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was yeah. the hardest part, Jake. <laughs> I, I would imagine. I'm glad I wasn't the content planner for this this series. Um, but yeah, tell everybody like what specific episodes can they expect, and then maybe some of your favorite okay. episodes. We start off this week, and uh, if you jump over and you listen, this week we kind of, um, because we are going to try to go back, we interviewed over 30 people, man, and we could have, and like you said, and to be honest with you, and I'm not putting pressure on anybody, we may not be done, like, because we have so much content in the in the interviews, and I didn't want to debate with them, like like I said, I came to their side, and, and they taught me a lot about the podcasting game that maybe I hadn't looked at from other sides, um, I think I gave them more information and we found in more information than we ever thought we were going to have. And we've, we've, we've married it together pretty well, in my opinion. Um, not perfect, but we've married it pretty well together. And I mean, we interviewed over 30 guys. We interviewed Tim couch about, um, and the Tim couch stuff blew me. Away. I knew Tim when he was here, we we're about the same age, but to go through, you know, what was really going on in his life and, to go through how hard the situation was and to go through how, um, you know, I don't know if every 25, 30 year old realizes that Tim couch was Peyton Manning just a year apart Mm -hmm. that, you know, he was drafted that they competed in the sec together. Um, the world looked at Tim couch as the next Peyton Manning. They were one year apart. And in a lot of ways, because the Browns weren't prepared, weren't ready, um, did not have an offensive line. He got the crap beat out of him. Um, and we have this like hour and a half talk. And by the end, he's damn near in tears because he's talking about being 22, 23 years old and, and never failing in sports and never failing in anything. But he couldn't figure out the Browns and fans were booing him before he knew it and how that crushed him and how he never had gone through anything like that. And it still sits with him to this day. 
Um, so, you know, that kind of conversation is tough, man, because I, I didn't call Tim Couch to like cry, <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time though, the conversation, it was, it was solid. And I think the average Browns fan, I don't even, you know what, take Browns fan out of it. I think the average person will go back and hopefully listen to that podcast. And we talk about Tim couch and you don't have to be a Browns fan to like sit there and go, Oh my gosh, why did, how the heck did they do this to this guy? Um, talk, and I, and I've, I've got a pretty good friendship with Josh Cribs already. And Cribs was comfortable, you know, with me and, and with us and just talked about his contract squabbles and how Eric Mangini was his coach, but also trying to set up, you know, trying to do, uh, contract deals with him and how just it wasn't right and how the special teams team you know cl- guys were making rap songs about how he was underpaid and under and overused and um i think what i, I guess what i'm saying for all the guys that were in the muni lot with 16 jerseys on and, and pissed off that he wasn't getting taken care of don't worry this guy's in the clubhouse the guys in the, in the, in the locker room felt the same way uh we talked to brady quinn um about the same things I, you know like I remember Brady Quinn's last game uh, that as a Brown that he started. He hurt his ankle, hurt his foot, uh, but it was a game that Josh Cribbs and Jerome Harrison's both their jerseys are in Canton, Ohio right now because uh, they ran up and down the field in Kansas City. But I'll always remember walking off the field and walking to the bus with Brady Quinn and just knowing that it just wasn't going to work out for him and that he was probably done for the season and just seeing how you know him and Tim Couch's stories are so close. So you're going to get all those. Um, you're going to hear Sean Smith, who most people barely remember was a defensive lineman that played from 06 to like 09. Uh, there was always this talk about whether he got in a fight with, um, with Brady, with Brady, uh, Quinn. Uh, and it's kind of a hilarious way that he admits, but doesn't admit that he punches him, but he admits that he picked him up after he fell down. <laughs> um, <laughs> watch, my fa- watch your face beat up my hands type of thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, we talked to Romeo Cornell, uh, Phil Savage. We tried to get Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson, like literally Hugh Jackson was, we were all, everything was like, you know, everything was set up. Computers were all on, headphones were all in, and at the last minute, Hugh decided not to be a part of it. So we tried to get people, and we told Hugh, it's like, look, we're not here to beat you up or put you down, but I'd rather you tell your story than us. And some people didn't want to tell their story, and God bless them for that. Yeah, I've seen you pop up on a few podcasts, but but I was uh, I, I asked Kevin specifically, and we're referencing Kevin. Uh, if you guys don't know, Kevin Jones is the CEO of Blue Wire, and Andre laid out for you guys, had a great great run with the Browns, and a couple of other different spots and he's, he's doing, you know, listen, he returns my text still. And I don't know why he does it. He's that big these days. So, um, <laughs> me yeah. too. I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> he's done amazing work with this thing. So I'm pumped, Andre, man. I think this is going to be good. There are so many stories about, we, we all talk about these people as if they're not real people. You know, I think Tim couch people have come full, full circle on a little bit. It's been so nice to see him back involved in doing things. And, and, and and I think it'll be cool to hear from Brady because I don't think we get enough about that stuff from Brady Quinn, too, and Josh. And and uh, those guys letting their guard down, and I think that's why you're perfect to do it because they they trust you like that, man. They trust you, and you, you welcome them in. You make them feel comfortable. And there's so many good – even though the losing was happening, and I'm sure you can attest this, Andre, like the losing was happening, it sucked. But from the inside, these were 
fascinating people and the stories around them are fascinating yeah. and i think that's a big part it's not it's not going back and looking at losing necessarily i mean it's a it's a part of it you can't ignore <laughs> you're right but but it's it's the people the people involved that were trying to do this they went into it trying to win it just didn't pan out right yeah no no that's a great point um phil dawson who everyone loves he was actually down in tennessee he's coaching with trent dilfer and i got stories on trent dilfer and, and charlie fry <laughs> Um, I was around for some great moments, <laughs> wink, wink. Um, but he talks about how, you know, how winning the, the, the kicker's job. Heck, we probably like him to win the kicker's job right now. <laughs> with where they're at and winning the kicker's job in his rookie year and, and, and not getting the best pat on the back of almost just like, all right, dude, you, you make it, you get, you get the first dibs until you make a couple misses. Yeah. And it like crushed him. He was like, damn, like that's how I make the team. But then he worked with Chris Palmer at the end of his career. And this is just how life works, I think. You know, and and at the end of his career, he's at San Francisco and he's like, it was night and day of work playing for the Browns. And Chris Palmer was like an offensive assistant. And him and Chris Palmer start talking. He's like, dude, you almost ruined my career when I made the team because you were so standoffish. He goes, but like 14, 15 seasons later, I totally get it. We were so up against it. We had no chance in Cleveland, and you had no chance. And he and he was like, "I'm sorry that I took it so personally." Um, there are conversations like that that I think people will hear. Um, they're also, as we were talking to, to Dawson, they were in the middle of two a days down in Tennessee, and I see players walking. He's a special teams coach, and I can see players walking through the background, right? Like so, they're literally in between two a days, mm-hmm. and I bring up, you know, cribs. You know, and just what Cribs meant to them at the time. And he's like, dude, he's like, Dre, I, he goes, just yesterday. He goes, I stopped, you know, I stopped the madness. I stopped our practice I, when it made him come in and watch films. And I was like, if you want to be great, this is how you should play. And he goes, and I showed film of Josh Cribs covering kickoffs. And I was like, you guys have heard of Josh Cribs. And, and so, you know, despite how bad the records may have been, despite how many controversies seem to pop up constantly. And that's the other thing. Um, I think from the, the, I think from the worldly way of seeing the Browns over the last two decades, I think a lot of people, a lot of fans throughout the country just kind of laugh and, you know, because of the Johnny Manziel stuff or Josh Gordon stuff, um, the controversies, the, you know, the quarterback stuff. I I think a lot of people have, have, I don't want to say made the Browns into a joke. And that's why Baker probably is a perfect quarterback for who they are because he has that chip on his shoulder. But I think if you know the, the, what really what really was going on in the background, you you, little, you understand a little bit more. Our leadership was not set up to lead. You know, Randy Lerner becomes an owner after his father passes away. Grew up completely different than his father. He just wasn't ready for it. Mike Holmgren came and stole a bunch of money. And I shouldn't say stole. He was given it, but he had a ski mask on when he took it. Um, <laughs> but he didn't want to work, and he knew he could take advantage of the situation. And, and even to the you know even to the the current owners. And it's nothing against them, but they came in and they had – it was a hailstorm. They didn't know what they were walking into. Um, they wanted to be successful. They had a lot of money, uh, but they took some missteps as well. And and not all their fault, but it all plays into why the Browns have been the Browns and why they've been the butt of every NFL joke for so long. The NFL did them no favors, and, and you'll you'll hear that in different podcasts. You'll hear that at different times. Um, but I thought that Phil Dawson talking about Josh Cribbs and what he meant – to not just Phil's, you know, football NFL career, but even as his coaching career, um, they have a really cool. Like we talked to Aaron Shea. Now most people don't remember. You may remember Aaron Shea. You may not. Played fullback in the early two thousands. Um, played tight end actually. Uh, they tried to force him to play fullback. And 
he went to Michigan and he was from Illinois and somehow Jake, he was at the first Browns game in 99 against the Steelers. Um, he drove down from Michigan with the insane with Tom Brady of all people. Wow. Because they had a buddy that was an offensive lineman at Michigan that went to St. Ed's that was like, man, we got to go back. And they went back. Shea comes back. The Browns get annihilated by the Steelers. And, uh, and then like a year later, who's he drafted by? The Cleveland Browns. And so he's all excited, and Tom Brady calls and goes, but remember how bad they sucked? <laughs> like, oh, like that's literally a part of it. We've got a Jim Donovan. Jim Donovan is on it, and he's 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 unbelievable. Um, and he tells a great story. I'll give it away. But it's a great story about the first game back in 99. And, you know, everybody wanted the Browns that had left to come back, but they weren't. And they were playing the Steelers, and Bill Cower was the coach. And Bill Cower was roommates with Doug Deacon. Like there's and like and I've known all this from doing sideline, so the Browns bring in like um, Drew Carey, like it was it was a big deal, you know. And and Bill Cower goes up to whoever's running everything, and he's like, "Hey, I know this is a big day for the Browns. I'm so happy you guys are back. This is this is huge. You know, this is a part of my life. This is where my kids were born. Why don't you guys just announce your whole team and don't even announce us? We get it. So you know, the Browns are like, okay, well, that's all very nice, Bill. Thanks." Bill goes back in his locker room and tells his team, they got no respect for us. Let's go kick their ass. They won't even announce us. They think this is their homecoming or whatever. And they come out and just annihilate us. <laughs> Those are stories you don't know. Those are stories you don't know. And like, I think, I think as much under, as much as we pretend to know from the outside, I would say like 95% of fans, this will have the details you never knew. And there'll be things that Andre's telling us here. There'll be things that you'll learn things you didn't know. And I can, I continue to go back because you know, when, when, when Kevin told me about this idea, I, I, I just kept thinking, you know, th- these times are times that we are trying to forget, right? Like they're, right. they're miserable football, they're miserable memories. You can be, you can be upset that you missed out on this opportunity to have your, you know, the prime of your life with, with good football. And I get it. It's frustrating. Nobody wants to remember, but the people involved, there were good people and there, there are people that deserve to be remembered. And, uh, um, I can't wait for it, man. It begins August 31st. You guys are putting it out weekly, right? Yeah, you'll get two a week. Um, when when you hear this podcast with Jake and I, you can probably go right over to Blue Wire and find the first two episodes in the trailer. Um, it's been a labor of love. I probably should have never agreed to do this during a baseball season because <laughs> um, <laughs> there's been a lot of sleepless nights and sleepless mornings. Um, but it's been a lot. It's also been a lot of fun, and it's brought back a lot of memories. And I really think that you know, once we get rolling throughout the season, like we have Andrew Siciliano. And I think this is the other thing that that I, that I love. And then I want to, if it's up, to, then we can talk some about the current team. Like Andrew Siciliano, we all know for the guy that doesn't use the bathroom on Sundays during the football season, right? Oh, yeah. He's a Browns fan. Parents are Browns fans. And like we've had him talking about breaking TVs and and going crazy about the Browns. We've got Chris Rose, who was formerly of NFL, um, talking about the old talking about the old stadium. Uh, Mike Polk talking about the old stadium and 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 to be honest. You know, his his video, his YouTube video that everyone knows, <laughs> um, the Factory of Sadness video, he had a Ryan Pompreon, um jersey on. And I'll never forget going into the locker room the next day and going to Ryan Pompreon and being like, hey, man, did you see that video last night with that dude wearing your jersey? <laughs> and I happen to go to college. I've known Mike Polk since we were like 17. Like We went to college together. We've, we've just known each other. Never best friends, but we've known each other for a very long time. So when this idea came together, we, we, Jake, we really thought it, we were like, we don't want to call it, you know, 
factory of sadness. But then I go and I say to the guys as we're having a meeting, I'm like, well, I actually have the guy, the factory sadness guy's name. Like I've got his number. He's a friend of mine. And they're like, no way. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I've known him. Like, I've known him all life. And they're like, would he interview for this? And I'm like, hell yeah, he would. And I literally text Mike and like two days later, we're interviewing him and, and my guys that were helping us, they're like, dude, did he have a couple drinks and just do a stand up for an hour and a half for us? He like, <laughs> so like you're going to hear stuff from Mike Polk. This is going to go. It's going to, you're, you're going to, it's going to be fun. And the other thing that we think we're going to do, we have to figure out exactly how, um, we're going to try to, uh, somehow or another. And I know with Kevin and blue wire, they're going to figure this out. We have all the interviews saved and they're all like, you know, 60 to 90 minutes. We're going to try to find somewhere, some way to post them or put them up because as much as I like what we've produced, I think some people will hear the interviews and you'll, you'll go from laughing to tears. Tell yeah, I remember that play or I remember that guy. So we're going to try to find a way to do that as well. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's, it's going to be a nice mixture of nostalgia with, with, uh, within the season that should have a ton of exciting stuff. So you guys should make sure you subscribe to that. If you find it again, I'll put the link to the first, uh, to, well, to, to find all the episodes, I'll put the link to the podcast in the description of this one. You shouldn't have any trouble finding it. Like we said, it starts today, August 31st. I'm losing track of what day it is anymore, but yeah, <laughs> it's all, there's a couple of, time of the year. Yeah, it really is. A couple episodes are out. Make sure you go find it. Listen to it. Uh, we got a nice little, uh, two week stretch here. You can, find some time for some podcasts. Andre, I got to get, before we go, man, like you said, I got to get your opinion on this year, your outlook. I know you talked about it plenty of times, but how do you feel about it, man? Um, I feel like it's great. Um, I, I love where we're at. I just had this conversation with Zach Jackson where I'm like, man, I, I'm really excited for this season, I guess. And I guess this plays into the podcast that I just did too, though. Um, I, you know, I, I hear people say Super Bowl or bust, and I cringe. And I'll admit, maybe I, you know, maybe I'm a little beaten from what I've seen over the last 20 years. I'm excited though because I don't care if they win the Super Bowl or, or not this year. I, I love what Kevin Stefanski stands for and how he produces offense and how he produces, um, how he gets players in and out of things. I think I love that there's a script that makes sense to things. And now with Andrew Barry, the players fit. Um, and, you know, I think that's the coolest thing, you know, Josh Cribs and I were talking about that and Cribs plays a lot into why I did that podcast because like four years ago we were doing a pregame show before the Ravens and, and Browns and we were doing it and Cribs is from Baltimore or from Washington, DC grew up, a, you know, a, a, a Redskins fan or a football team. That's why I got, I'm like, what do I call them now? <laughs> um, and their president almost came on. We, Jason Wright, the president of the Washington football yeah. team. Uh, he, we're friends with him. We talked to him about the podcast. He's not on it, but he actually did do an interview and we talked a lot about his days there and what he learned here as a player that he's taken to Washington. Um, and I got to say this quickly, Cribs, who I love, I've known forever. And when I had to sit and tell him like, and he was, this is when he was on the, after he had played for the Browns. And when I had to tell him like what happened to the Browns and why they left and went to Baltimore and to see his face. Because for his side, he was like in high school or right under, you know, like, and he was like, it was the most exciting thing ever, man, that we had two teams in the D.C. area, mm-hmm. you know, and he was like, we didn't even like, so for him, I always was like, I have to tell you the story of how the Browns ended up becoming the Ravens because you hate the Ravens because they used to beat the crap out of you. But, and, but you were happy with them because your friends have two teams to go cheer for, but you don't understand what it did to the people here. Yeah. And Cribs was just like, oh my God. So he played a lot into why I wanted to do this. Now, in saying that, um, 
Cribs and Phil Dawson used to be the show, right? Now you got players on both sides of the ball that are some of the best players in the game. Um, I really think the Clowney signing, because he doesn't have a long-term deal, um, because he's going to line up next to somebody that has a superior body to him, and, and he probably has never said that in his life. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. Um, I just think I, I think you're going to be up at night, Jake, putting out plays and explaining things like never before. Having Baker in an offense for the second time, the running back duo, um, the offensive line, like I could like I I'll be honest with you, <laughs> I can't believe all the stuff I'm saying. There's as you know, and I and I know you're working through this. You're probably going to be tweeting out. In the next 24, 30, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, a couple hours till four o'clock today, they're going to cut some guys that can play and guys that we're going to see play on other NFL teams in 2021. That's a first. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's wild. And, and to think about how far they come. And, and, and when I say that, and I know you've said that or, you know, anybody is, is talking about how far they've come. This I think this podcast you're, you're putting out is a, is a great example to talk about. Right. For yeah. for how far they've come because it's you you nailed it when you said you know maybe I'm carrying too much baggage whatever I've talked about it I talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast about I just my mind isn't trained for it I know they're going to be good I, I I've watched it I know the players but the Murphy's law eliminating that from my brain for for the Browns is going to take a while it's going to take a few yeah. years the same yeah. with thinking Pittsburgh's going to be bad I'm not trained to to, to really except the fact that Pittsburgh might be pretty bad. So there's there's a, there's a ton of elements like that, man, that we carry with us, and and hopefully we'll get over them. I think that the, the thing – Jake, with, I'm afraid of that Pittsburgh thing. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Only, I, because, <laughs> only because I've left there for like six years straight, dude. I saw a quick story, and I think this is on the podcast. Um, James Harrison, who went to Kent, I've known him since he was young. Like, and I'm just – there's just six degrees of Andre. Like I've just happened to be in the right place at the right time or just know certain people or whatever. And there was a game where on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I think Muhammad Masakwa is like bent sideways and backwards getting hit. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, I say it was the day the NFL changed when it comes to concussions. And we have that conversation. Mary Kay comes on and we talk about it. like we were there. But anyway, Cribs gets knocked out by James Harrison. Well, they played together at Kent State. And after the game, right outside the locker room, and I'm right there. And matter of fact, James Harrison, if you follow James Harrison on Facebook, go to Facebook right now, and, and, and this picture is there. James Harrison's mom is behind the Browns locker room. And Cribs comes out, and she comes up and gives him a big hug. And she goes, I don't know why my baby would hit you like that. I don't. And, and James <laughs> is like, Miles, doing my job. And like, and it was just like, it's just this like surreal moment of James Harrison like mad at his mom because he's hugging Cribs, saying, "Stop hitting that boy like that." <laughs> that brings some humility to it, man. Like some real, <laughs> some realness to it that you don't get so business like sometimes. When that that scenario must have been wild to see play out, real man. Yes, and then like literally, I because look, if you live in Northeast Ohio, you have a friend or know somebody that's a Steelers fan, mm-hmm. and like three Steelers fans text me like like, like buddies of mine are like, "Hey man, did you, did you see this picture of James Harrison and Cribs?" And I'm like, "I was there." <laughs> like, I'm like, it's, "It's real. It happened." That's wild, man. That's wild. Uh, well, listen, the Browns are going to be good. Uh, I think we can safely say that. How good they end up being is what is going to be the most fascinating thing to watch. You can tie in your your fascination with how good they're going to be with with fun trips down memory lane and memory lane here with Brownstown. Andre, I'm pumped for you. I know you've worked hard on this thing, man. I'm I'm really happy for Browns fans that they get to experience it. 
and um, it'll be around forever. That's the great thing. You know, someday my son can listen to this stuff and understand it. That's the beautiful part of it. Yes. Uh, understand it from all angles, not just the records, look at it on a computer screen, but hear the people, hear the stories. And uh, I think that's great. I couldn't be more, more pleased to, to be on Blue Wire with you with this thing, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jake. Hey, and, and, and honestly, and I appreciate you, man. I love what you're doing. I know some people, um, I, you do a great job of breaking down. And I'm not saying it because I'm one with you and you put me on this. I, I admit that I love I love the X's and O's of the game as much as anybody else. If anything, I, I like it. I like the chess part of the game. And you've done a really good job of breaking down the game without um, talking over people's heads. Um, you know, and every fan's different and every fan wants to, some people don't understand concepts and things of that nature, but you've done a good job of, of subtly teaching these guys or showing people what's happening on the field. I think there's a place for that and you do a great job with that. So keep doing that. But also, um, and, and this is, and, and I, this is a weird thing to say, but I mean it. Uh, Brownstown was also something for me that I wanted, I hope, I hope people like yourself, there's young kids in college. There's other people that tell stories that they say, Hey, you know what? There are other ways to tell stories. We can, we can do podcasts that are, that are like this. They're storytelling with great sound at it with great. Um, there's other ways to do it. We don't have to write a book. We don't have to, you know, do a TV show. Cause to be completely honest, um, the day before the pandemic hit, I was in Arizona at spring training. I was on the phone with my big bosses with Fox sports and I wasn't negotiating, but I was negotiating on, on, on a, you know, I was negotiating. Hey, I love my job that I have, but I want to do, I want to do um, documentaries. I, I want to tell stories. I want to tell local stories. And I was talking to my bosses about, to, to, my, to my bosses about it. And they were starting to buy in and they were like, you know what? Let's get through the baseball season and maybe we'll let you kind of start this series that you're thinking of. And literally Jake, the next day, the world came to an end <laughs> and, yeah. and it crushed me, man. And it crushed me. And I, I mean, not to be I, I, I or selfish because obviously there's a lot of other things that have happened in our country and in our world since that March 11th meeting I had. Mm-hmm. Um, but it crushed me more or less because it was exciting because I wanted to tell stories. And, and so I appreciate blue wire and Kevin for listening to me cry <laughs> <laughs> and, finding another avenue to tell these stories because I hope they're good enough that like you said, not only will our sons watch, but hopefully our sons see it and they take it to another step and make it even greater. I agree very much. Thanks for the kind words uh, toward me. And then, and then obviously, uh, you know, thanks. Thanks for all the work you put in on this thing and, and, and did such a great thing too, about what you're talking about, how the social media world and the, and the mediums are changing. You can do things in a different manner now. And this is a perfect example of that. It doesn't have to be a page flip book. It can be, it can be real people talking, and that's a that's a really cool thing, man. And you get to almost sit in and be a be a watcher of these private conversations with with people that you grew up loving and caring about. So check out Brownstown, Andre again, man. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Jake. One question I got for you: What does the JV, what does the Dobbins injury do in your mind to Baltimore's run game? Oh, it, it puts him in a it puts him in a precocious situation. He could do everything. Um, for them, and and that's that's a thing that they love. I mean, they could they could keep ultimate deception with him on the field. He could catch the rock out of the backfield. I mean, Gus Edwards is a nice player, but they like to really only use him downhill. You know, north right. south. They could do a little yeah. bit more of that counter bash stuff. The I'm getting into the weeds here, but they like to do that with Lamar, <laughs> where they like to to run teams laterally to kind of open yes. up that yes. power scheme inside run. They ran it so well last year. Gus Edwards can't do that. Is Justice Hill going to be that guy for them? I don't think so. So we might see. I know, you know, you and I are recording this at eleven. 
48 now, yeah. I think it is. On, 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 <laughs> yeah, on things may be changed by the time you get this. <laughs> yeah, they might go out and they might go out and trade for somebody or sign somebody. So, yeah, but the, it, it definitely decreases the danger of that offense. I mean, Lamar is still so dangerous. He's a unicorn, but, but the, you know, J.K. was fit to have a real, real impact because yeah. because running lanes are opened up and what he did is so unique. And it sucks because I know you, you probably care about Ohio State a little bit. I, I care about him a little. I mean, I do. I didn't go to Ohio State, but but I care about the guys that come out of there. You know, seeing them find success and happiness, and hopefully he comes back good. But I don't yeah. mind Baltimore not being as good as we thought they might be. That's for sure. <laughs> Me either. I don't know. I asked you that, and you answered it perfectly. You say, uh, you know, Jackson's a unicorn. I thought Dobbins was a unicorn for that offense as yeah. well because of his explosion, because he's a guy that grew up. You know, running backs are different now. They grow up with, you know. Most running backs, tailbacks from Ohio State for the last 100 years grew up in the eye formation, right? Dot in the eye. <laughs> well, now they're all next to the quarterback, and Dobbins fit what they're doing perfectly because no other NFL team runs that offense. Yeah, they don't, and it's it's a college offense. It, I mean, I continue to say they're like the Navy or Air Force of the NFL. It's just so different, and you have to prepare for it. That's what I like about the Browns' schedule this year is that they get three weeks dedicated to just playing Baltimore, which is rare. Because right. they do things nobody else does with players that nobody else has. So, um, you know, again, I never like rooting for injuries. I know you're the same way. I just, it's nice to to know that they won't have as as great a group as we think they're going to have. But obviously, hope J.K. comes back and and still kicks butt in the NFL because I think he's a he's a he- he's a heck of a guy from everything you gather and a heck of a football player. But you know, for the sake of winning the division for the first time since '89, I'm not that mad about it. Hell no. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Man. All right. I, I Thank you so much, man. Hey, and anytime during the season, man, I, and I don't like, I don't, I'm not putting myself as a guest, but um, I would love to come back and just talk football with you. <laughs> like, like during the season, because I would love just to break down some plays and look at football stuff. Uh, maybe break down Bishop uh, Sycamore's, uh, <laughs> their, their quarterback. <laughs> what a story, man. That's unbelievable. What a story. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that for sure. Consider it booked right now. If you can if you can find time to peel away and, and come on the show, more than welcome anytime, and I'll be in touch with you. Thanks again, my friend. You got it, Jake. Take care, brother. Good luck to everything you do. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Huge shout out to Andre for taking time out of his busy, busy day. I mean, the guy's covering baseball on the sideline of baseball games there in the dugout. He's doing all that. He's recording episodes. So for him to take time, 35, 40 minutes of his time to come on is a huge, huge thank you from from not only me, but I'm sure you guys would, would say the same for sharing all the things that he shared. Thanks for that. And thanks for you guys for joining today. Reminder, we've had the offensive 
sorry, defensive all 22 comprehensive review that went up yesterday. Uh, well, it went up this morning, still the same day here, Tuesday. Uh, went up this morning. It's available for you. I'll have the offense up tomorrow with full analysis of all of the decisions made on the 53-man roster. We'll be following along closely. So thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for making this August month, which we're still in. Thanks for making it the best month ever of this podcast. You're the best. Please, again, download, share, all those fun things. Share the word about this podcast. Make sure you subscribe, and then you can download it automatically and automatically get those things put into your inbox every single day. And then, two, make sure you subscribe to Brownstown. It's going to be dropping episodes weekly. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. So thanks again to Andre Not. Thanks again to you guys for listening. Have a great day. Go Browns. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com